Let's open our Bibles, please, to Psalm 112. Here's God's righteous man. This is very much akin to the first psalm. It's very similar. God's blessed man. In fact, if you have the first psalm, you might want to turn there as we go along. We may even refer to it occasionally because uh, you'll see a resemblance in some of the things. But Psalm 112, if you will. It starts with a hallelujah. Notice it says, Praise ye the Lord. And that's the same way the 111th Psalm started. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Now then, the God-fearing man who delights to do his will is a blessed man. If you delight to do the will of God, the Bible says, He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And so we need to be God-fearing people. It says, blessed is happy. The word blessed means happy. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. So if you delight greatly in his commandments, that means you want to obey God. Colossians 3 verse 23 says, what we, ever, what we do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And then God's God-fearing men's might and influence shall continue with his children. If you look in verse 2, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. Those that come after him. You know, it does make a difference where you came from and who's your father and mother and how they've taught you, doesn't it? It says, His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. And so it pays to have uh, fathers and mothers that are godly and that will pass it on down to you. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. You know, the word blessed means to be happy. We uh, many times quote the Beatitudes in uh, Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of God and and blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted and uh, in Psalm one when you find the word blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful the word blessed there means it's plural it means blessednesses in other words there's multiplied blessings oh the blessednesses of the man oh the the many blessings of the man that he uh, has that walks in this way. So, back in our Psalm 112, His seed shall be mighty upon the earth, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in His house. Wealth and riches. Someone says, well, you know, I, my parents were God-fearing, and I try to fear the Lord and serve Him and keep His commandments, but I don't have any wealth and riches. The Bible says that we do have the Bible says concerning Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. Now, we don't measure riches all the time in silver and gold. We're rich in God's blessings. And we don't count the riches just like the world counts them. I think it's very rich to have a family around you that loves you. I think it's very rich to have your, your physical, material, uh, and financial needs supplied. I think it's very rich for God to care for you always and to heal you. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. God is the healer that healed our diseases. In the song that Sharon and Ron sang speaks of that. He gave victory through that. He's the one that heals and lifts up and gives us victory in all things. So wealth and riches shall be in his shall be in his house, and his righteousness shall endureth forever. Look at that. It's not a temporary thing to be a Christian. 
It, it means that you have a continuous guarantee and a perpetual guarantee of prosperity and the character of the righteous shall endure forever. You know, you talk about people just uh, having a spurt of religion and then it's all gone. Well, I wonder sometimes about that kind. The Bible teaches that those that are born again children of God, that He keeps and they keep. Jesus said, uh, My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. So there's such a thing as perseverance as well as preservation. They follow Me. And He says uh, that those that do not follow Him are not of His sheep. He says, Therefore you do not follow Me because you're not of My sheep. And so I believe God's children, even though we may come short, we may falter and fail along the way, we're still followers. We may be feeble followers at some times. We may stumble and fall, but the Lord upholds us with His hand. But we're still the Lord's, and we still belong to Him, and He's the one that's guaranteed uh, our security. His righteousness endureth forever. Verse 4, Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. Look at that. The upright have hope in times of darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. When things get dark in your life, when it seems like the days are dark, when it seems like the trials have darkened your life, and the temptations and the problems, and there's, there's no light to be seen. You know, I love Dan's uh, writing in the paper, The Silver Lining. You know, he's talked to me many times. He'll call me. If he doesn't know where, he called me the other day and said, Brother Joyce, where is this scripture found? I said, right here. I give him the scripture. And he says, I'm always glad that when I don't know where the scripture is, I can call you and get it. But anyway, he said, <laughs> he said, uh, he started out that uh, a little column, the silver lining. He said that he, he learned that there, behind every cloud there was a silver lining. If we could realize that. There's always a little light showing through the dark. And if we'll just expect it, God will let the light shine through. It says, notice what it says. Unto the upright, verse 4, there ariseth light in the darkness. It doesn't say there will not be darkness, but there ariseth light in the darkness. And it says, He is gracious. He's gracious and full of compassion and righteous. God is so gracious that He's going to let us see the light in the midst of the darkness. And then I want you to notice, beginning with the last part of verse 4, the good qualities of God's righteous man. And you find, first of all, the good qualities. He is gracious, an imitator of the gracious Lord. God is gracious, and we, we should be gracious too, and full of compassion and righteous. And then in verse 5, notice, it says, A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion to deal with the righteousness that we had in verse uh, 4, gracious and full of compassion. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Uh, the Bible tells us, Blessed are the peacemakers. And so we're, we need to be right both with God and man. And then here we find that he's charitable. Look at verse 5 again. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. He's charitable. He's big-hearted. He's liberal. And he's a good businessman. He takes care of his business. Do you know that God gives you the ability to take care of your own business? And you should do that diligently. It says, fervent in spirit. It, it tells us to be honest in business. It tells us to be 
uh, diligent in our business in the book of Romans as well as Proverbs chapter 6. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6 and I'll give you some things. Proverbs, the 6th chapter. And notice what it says here. It says in verse 1, My son, if thou be sure, if thou, uh, it says, If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, now look at this, thou art, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. If you become surety for someone, you sign a note for someone you don't know anything about, you better be real careful. It says, Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go and humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, nor slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of a hunter, and as a bird from the hand of a fowler. In other words, it's telling you, this is Proverbs 6, verses 1 through 4. It tells us to not... Uh, verse 1 is the key to all of it. If thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. You've taken on more than you, des- you deserve to take on. Sometimes you say, well, you know, I just couldn't turn them down. Christians have to learn to say yes as well as to learn to say no. You know, there is such a word as no. There is the opposite of yes. There is such a thing as saying, no, I cannot do that. I've had people say, Brother Joyce, will you do so and so? I said, no, I don't think so. Because you have to learn when it's right to say no. And uh, I've had friends here, people here, but I just didn't trust their financial situation. Want me to go sign a, sign a, co-sign a note? Well, you know, if they don't pay it, I have to. And knowing the character of some that have asked me, uh, they wouldn't go and pay it either. So you see, you better look out. And that doesn't mean you don't have compassion and love, but get them to get their house in order as you've gotten your house in order. See, that's the thing about it. They can do the same thing as you're doing. You don't go and ask people to sign your notes all the time, do you? No, you don't. You say, well, why why should it be turned around the other way? And so there's a great thing to to having a sense of responsibility and being charitable and big-hearted at the same time. Back in our Psalm 112, it says, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. That means you can be compassionate. You can give. And the word lendeth a lot of time is giving. It doesn't mean just to lend and expect to be paid back. In fact, I hardly ever lend anyone anything. I usually, if I can't afford to give it to them, I just forget it. But if, if I can lend it to them, I can give it to them. As far as money is concerned and things of that nature as I'm talking about doesn't mean like borrowing a two or this or that or the other. I'm talking about money, finances, and it'd be good to keep that in mind. But it says, he will guide his affairs with discretion. In other words, with judgment. If you have a marginal reference, the word uh, discretion says judgment. You, you'll think about what you're doing. In verse 6, it says, surely he shall not be moved forever. Okay, he will be established, will he not? He will not be moved forever. To be well established in your thinking and in your life is, is a good thing. He's a businessman. He's well established. Look at the last part. The righteous shall be, shall be in everlasting remembrance. He will be remembered. And then he has a holy boldness. Look at verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Are you afraid of evil tidings? His heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. You say, well, when bad things come, what am I going to do? Have your heart fixed and trust in the Lord. When, when you think that things could go bad, and they, they do from time to time, remember this, 
Have your heart fixed in faith, trusting in the Lord. Having your heart fixed is saying, God, whatever comes, I'm still going to trust in you. Job of old says, though he slay me, yet what will I trust him? So we need to learn the lesson that in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of trials, we need to trust in the Lord. Many of us have gone through many trials. Many of us have had many sicknesses, some that others may not even know about. But the thing about it is, God sees us through. He is gracious, and He's long-suffering, and He's compassionate, and He lifts us up. I'm thankful for the brethren, the people in this church that have been lifted up from time to time from really serious situations. And there are others that need our prayers. And then some, uh, it's God's will to take them on, and He has, and He will. But we need to recognize that even in that, God is still in control of things, and we don't understand it. We don't understand it. We might ask the question, why, Lord? Why me, or why this person that I love, or why does this have to happen? But God has the answer. And you know, to depart, Paul says, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And he says, nevertheless, it's more needful that I remain with you, and he did remain until a, a certain time that uh, he was uh, uh, became a martyr. He says, "I'm now ready to be offered." Second Timothy chapter four, and the time of my departure is at hand. He says, "I fought a good fight. I finished my course. My race is run. I've kept the faith." And he says, "Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me at that day." And he says, "Not to me only." But what? But to all them also that love is appearing. He says, I'm not going to receive that crown alone. I'm going to receive the crown and so are all you that love is appearing. A crown of righteousness that fate is not away. And so we have a lot of encouragement to do right and to do good. We're well established. We'll be remembered. We can have holy boldness. In the book of Proverbs uh, chapter, um, let's see if I can find it. 28 and verse 1, it says this, The wicked fleeth when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. See that? The righteous are as bold as a lion. When we read that seventh verse again in our text, it says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. That means you have boldness in the midst of adversity. But the righteous fleeth when no man pursueth. You know, I don't mind running if somebody fellow's chasing me, but I hate to run it just my shadow, don't you? Or anything coming along. It every little thing. But the wicked expects it all to happen. He figures someone's chasing him. When no man pursueth. Well, I don't mind taking care and getting out of the way of things that come, but I certainly don't want to be afraid to even move or to go or do anything. Back in our psalm, verse 8, His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. He has full confidence in God. He has a strong determination. You know, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not take the king's meat or the wine which he drank. We need to be men and women of purpose and with strong determination. Paul said to the Ephesians, he says, Finally, my brethren, in the sixth chapter, Randy will get to it one of these days in the 6th chapter in his teaching. Uh, I think it's 6 verse 10. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And he says, And put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
to be able to stand again in the evil day, and having done all to stand, he says, Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He says, Take the shield of faith. He says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word, the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Then he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And then Paul says, For me also, that I may... Uh, speak thy word with boldness. Speak God's word. That God would give him utterance to speak the word with boldness. So we need to ask God uh, to give us a strong determination to do his will. Look at this. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. In other words, he knows that God will avenge him in due time. Dearly beloved, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Because he says it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, say the Lord. So don't worry about your enemies. Don't let them worry you. That's where we get off the wrong track a lot of times. We say, well, I have so many enemies. <laughs> Paul, you know, I know preachers like that. They say, you know, I've got so much opposition in this town that I'm just going to have to leave. Have you ever heard that story? You know what the problem is? Paul said, a great and effectual door is open unto me. A door of service. And he says, and there are many adversaries. And he stayed there, what, about three years, wasn't he? And he, of course, he was a missionary. And that was a long time for him. Because he went about establishing churches. He was not a local pastor in that sense. But still, just because he met with opposition, he says, a great and effectual door is open unto me. And he was talking about a door of service. And he says, and there are many adversaries. Some, some uh, missionaries would have said, well, because there's so many adversaries and so much, many problems, I think I better leave here. Not Paul. He stood his ground. He says, I've got a great door open to me. And God opened it up. And never mind the adversaries. God will take care of them. There are many adversaries. So don't worry about them. Don't worry about your enemies. Uh, Jesus said... You're blessed when all men shall speak evil of you and when they shall persecute you. And he says, for great is your reward in heaven. Did you know when you have enemies that are giving you trouble? Listen, and you're a child of God and you're doing right. All they're doing is adding to your rewards and they don't know it. If they did, they'd probably quit, wouldn't they? They would say, well, golly, I don't want to be contributing to that guy's blessings in the future. I'm going to just quit this. Maybe that's what does shut some of them down. But anyway, regardless, that's what's happening. Jesus said it was. So, uh, in verse 9, He hath dispersed, He hath given to the poor. Look at this. He's been unselfish with others. He's dispersed. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Dispersed and given to the poor. Taking care of the poor and needy. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn, that means His power shall be exalted with honor. My, what a blessed man he is that follows God's uh, plan. Uh, when you think of the fact that giving to the poor, what does that mean? In 2 Corinthians 9, let me read two verses of Scripture. Giving, and giving in, in the things of God. Let me read with verse 6. But this I say, this Second 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. You go and plant in the, in the field and you just sow sparingly as far as the wheat is concerned. 
You say, well, it takes a third of a bushel to acre or whatever to sow it, half bushel or quarter, whatever, and you just cut that in half. He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. There's not enough seed out there to bring in a big crop. But if you sow the full amount and what's supposed to be sowed, he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. The word cheerful there means hilarious. Are people really happy about giving? They should be. And then it says, now what's going to be what's going to happen when you have that attitude in what you give and what you do? It says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. Look what God is able to do and what God will do for you. If you'll just be faithful in doing what He gives you the power and ability to do yourself and do it lovingly and cheerfully. In verse 10, back in our psalm, verse 10, notice what it says. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. Well, they won't even like what you're doing. He shall gnash with his teeth. Remember, Jesus predicts their future weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. How much akin is that to the the reward of the wicked in the first psalm. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. <coughs> Here's the blessed man down to verse 3. Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Remember, he obeys the word of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. It's his meat and drink day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, not just one growing up wild, that bringeth forth his, forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to make a million dollars. That doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy or real rich as far as money is concerned, though God will bless you with what you need. But whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Prosper. There's a whole lot more to that word prosper than just getting Great lots, sums of money. Prospering. God prospers you in health. He prospers you with, with love. He prospers you with the, the right kind of church, with the right kind of family, with the right kind of friends, with the right kind of uh, people round about you. And with all His rich blessings, He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where we are. See, we live far below our position. It doesn't say He's going to raise us up together and make us sit together. It says He hath raised us up together. And He hath made us sit together right now. We're sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. These are spiritual heights. And we live way down in the muck and the dirt, don't we? We shouldn't do that because He's raised us up together. But you go on and read that first psalm and it tells you the reward of the wicked. It says in verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The ungodly are not prospering. You say, well, the wicked prosper. Yes, but not really. Not really. You say, I know a lot of rich people. Did you know there's... We, we all familiar with Eastman Kodak Film Company. Did you know that George Eastman, with all of his wealth and success at one time came to the place that he was so sad and discouraged and depressed that he committed suicide? Did you know that a lot of rich men never live to enjoy? So, it says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Then it says, 
For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Not only the ungodly shall perish, but even the way of the ungodly shall perish. Notice back in our psalm, verse 10. It says, the, the wicked shall see it and be grieved. They're grieved at the prosperity of God's people. The wicked see, you know, when the wicked see you and I prospering and being blessed, it grieves them. They wonder, what in the world is that person there? You know, they're, they're a Christian. They go to that church and, you know, they seem to be getting along all right. No wonder. God is blessing you. See? But they wonder at that. Uh, people, you know, they look at me. Brother Joyce, how's that little old church take care of anything? Well, it's not so little in God's sight. You know, God looks down on it and things that seem to be little are not always so little. God, if God's in it, He's a great God and we serve Him and, and He's able to give us exceeding great blessings and He has. And then it says, The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth. He doesn't like it at all. Then it says, And melt away. He's not even going to endure. He's going to be like the chaff that the wind drives away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Even the... The way of the wicked shall perish. Look at Psalm 113 quickly, if you will. We've got a few minutes to give you this one. Servants of God. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Servants are exhorted not only to serve Him, but servants of God are exhorted to praise Him. We don't only serve. It says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou what? Serve. You see, it's not in the reverse order. So, servants, uh, praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So, what's it saying? We know we, we're supposed to serve. It says, which is our reasonable service. In Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. And it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so we know we're supposed to serve, but we're supposed to thank as well and praise. Praise ye the Lord. There never should be a day or an hour in our life as a Christian that we shouldn't be grateful and be thankful to God. There never should be a time. Someone said, well, I can't praise the Lord always. You don't always have to open your mouth and say, praise the Lord. You can be praising the Lord when you're thanking Him. You can be praising Him when you pray. You can be praising Him with your whole heart. Just the heartfelt feeling. You say, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. When you wake up in the morning, you can praise the Lord. A new day. Help me to walk it and live it right. At night when you go to bed, say, well, thank you, Lord, I made through, that you helped me to make it through this day. Wipe away all the sins and the shortcomings and the things, the mistakes I've made. Help me to be able to lie down and rest in peace. And that's the kind of life, if you can live that kind of life, God will bless you. God will bless it. So it says, praise ye the Lord, O ye, uh, praise, O ye servants of the Lord, praise the, the name of the Lord. Verse 2. You know, when and how long should we praise the Lord? Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. He never ceased to praise. This is now and eternity. Now and forevermore. From this time forth. That means here and now. And what? And forevermore. 
We will never cease to praise. Look at verse 3. From the rising of the sun into the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Universal praise is due to God. The whole earth should praise the Lord. The Bible tells us that out of every creature in heaven and in earth, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 13, all, of all nations, kindred, people, and tongues will be singing a song of redemption. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that God has also exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now listen, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Heaven and earth and things under the earth. So, universal praise. Look at the next verse quickly. It says in verse 4, The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. The Lord is more glorious than all of His creation, on, in heaven or in earth. The Bible says, For what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Even upon this earth, He made him uh, ruler over all things. He crowned him with honor and glory. And then he, he also has charge of the heavens. All the angels uh, shout for joy. And God, the Lord, is high above all nations. He's above all nations of the world. His glory above the heavens. Verse 5 says, Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high? Look at that one. God cannot be there. He has no equal. No one can compare to the Lord. You know, all the gods of nations are idols. All the gods of the heathen are idols. Uh, the Bible teaches that there is but one God. And that is our God and Father in heaven. And He is the Son, the Son of the living God, Christ Jesus, and the Spirit of God. And God is one. Who is like unto the Lord our God, or who dwelleth on high? Who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth? He's willing to condescend to our lowest state. That's what we quoted in Philippians chapter 2. It says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Look, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And we quoted the other part. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, God is willing to condescend to our low estate, and that's what he did when Jesus came. He laid aside heaven's glory. It says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Who humbleth himself, look at verse 6, to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifted the needy out of the dunghill. God raises up the poor, takes a special interest in the poor and in the lowly. In the lowly. You know, that's one great and wonderful thing about the gospel and about Jesus. He says, Come unto me all, what? Ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He didn't make any uh, distinction of persons, of, of social standing, or of race, or of, of uh, how a person stands with his finances, or how he stands with the uh, popularity, or how he stands in society. He says, come all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It says in verse 8, 
that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He raised them up, and he takes a, a special interest in them, and he exalts the poor to an important place. Have you ever thought in your life, if you look back at your life as a child or as in the past, knowing your past history, and maybe you were like uh, myself, poor as could be. I mean, when I was coming up as a little boy, we were hungry. We, we, had, we had very little food. We just really had a hard time. And it was during the Depression. You couldn't, couldn't make any money. And my little old sweet mother would wash clothes on a rub board in a wash tub, carry the water from the river and heat it on an old stove, a pot, to get it hot, and take in washing for people to make a few quarters or a quarter and a dime or whatever we could get to buy a little box of cornflakes or something so we'd have some food. And Dad worked too, but you know there wasn't any money to be made. And he served the public as a law enforcement officer. You know what he got, Brother Wendell, for going about halfway across the county and serving a, a give, well, what warrant or summons or whatever it was, piece of paper, about fifty cents. And it took about half that to buy the gasoline. And they didn't buy a gas in those days. You didn't get anything furnished. There was nothing furnished. We had an old Model T Ford. He drove that himself. And I'm talking about times that were rough. We see the Lord, He lifts us up. Can you imagine what God has done for you? I mean, it's a miracle what He's done for me. And I know it's a miracle in many of your lives what He's done for you. I mean, it's a miracle that He's brought you safe thus far and by grace will lead you on. And then the last thought, we'll get in this. It says, that He may set Him with princes, even with the princes of His people... Look at verse 9. He maketh the barren woman to keep house. He's the one that gives a fruitfulness to the body of the, of the uh, woman. And to be joyful, uh, a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. And He makes us as well fruit-bearing Christians. He gives the, the children to the woman that He blesses. And He gives uh, the sheaves to those of you and I who go out and bring in the sheaves. He makes our lives fruitful. And you know, we don't understand how that He does that through us, but some way or another, God is the one that gives the blessing. You and I can do what we're supposed to do, and then God will bless it, just like Brother Wendell said a little bit ago. God blesses His church and His people. And if we'll be faithful, if we'll be faithful and serve God and stay right with God and do what God would have us do, try to obey His Word, try to live